Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of Death Space Filling the Void. I can't believe we're already at episode 9. I'm Patrick Jones, talking to you from Charleston, South Carolina. What a weekend. I hope everyone had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Jamie and I went to Kiowa Beach to see some friends who were staying down there, and then out to a lake in western South Carolina, and wow, just laying in a raft on a lake and seeing friends. Oh my goodness, it's like exactly what you've been dreaming about this whole pandemic. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about last week's episode and the notion that Sitting with someone who's grieving is so much better than trying to fix it with words. But if you can't sit with them, just saying, I'm sorry that you're in pain, and I'm sorry you're going through this. Making your presence felt is so important, but not trying to do too much. It's tough to know what to say, but the answer seems to be somewhere along the lines of just making your presence felt. I have a pretty different episode today. You know, I look at this podcast as trying to tell a diverse collective story about death and and grief and trying to approach it from a a journalistic mindset. And so when I was recording season one and season two, I reached out to a bunch of religious groups to see if I can get anyone to talk to me about their faith and, and how their faith looks at death. Of course, no one person can speak for an entire faith. Unless maybe you're the Pope. But even the Pope doesn't talk for every single Catholic and how they individually experience death and and grief and how they view the afterlife. I reached out to a bunch of Native American groups, several Christian churches. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to connect with anyone from those faiths who were willing to speak with me while being recorded. But I'm going to keep trying for season three. But I was connected with a Buddhist monk who goes by Tenzin Namdak. Namdak is a monk with a Western scientific education who teaches Buddhist mind science, philosophy, and practice worldwide based on two decades of study from a monastic university in South India. And we had a great conversation. This interview was conducted in, I want to say, early September of 2020. Jamie and I were actually on a a bit of a socially distant road trip, and we were in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the time. Love Minnesota. Namdak and I had a wonderful conversation about how the faith of Buddhism approaches death, how they view death, how they view life. To be honest, I haven't really engaged with too much about Buddhism or, or really know anyone who is Buddhist. So it's a lot of fun hearing a different perspective, and I think you're really going to enjoy it as well. So let's jump in. Namdak, I'm I'm very excited to speak with you today and and get some insight on, on how Buddhists look at death and how they teach it. I'm very happy to be part of uh, your your project, so to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. I have definitely been looking forward to this. So I want to start a little bit by finding out a little bit about you and, and your story. Yeah, so um, I mean, me and my story can be very long, can be very short. <laughs> I was a university university student in the Netherlands, and I started to develop some interest in in philosophy, especially Eastern philosophy. In my I was I think uh, eighteen or nineteen, something like that. So then in my early 20s, I met Buddhism in, in the center in the Netherlands, and I was finishing my university degree in hydrology, 
which is quite scientific actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, being interested in, in other aspects of philosophy and then attending a few courses or a few weekends, so to say, then yeah, uh, my mind changed quite quickly, so to say. I find within Buddhism, there's, uh, there's always the possibility to question things, right? You can always ask a question and, and check things out, which is well, very scientific. Yeah. So that's pretty, yeah. yeah. It attracted me quite a lot. And as a youngster, you know, you have always questions about the meaning of life. Is there past right. or future lifetimes? Uh, is there more possible? Why are some people suffering more than others? So it's not that I straight away saw the answers, but I saw possibilities to come to, to answering those questions, so to say. And uh, that attracted me more that I did one research for the government, which I was committed to. And after finishing that research, then I went to India, basically, straight away. And already with the idea to become a monastic, to become a monk. Okay. And um, based on that idea, I started with learning Tibetan language because we study Buddhism within a Tibetan tradition, with this kind of uh, ancient Indian Nalanda tradition, one of the big monastic universities of India. So it's based on that kind of tradition. So I started learning Tibetan, and then soon after that, I decided to become a monk and took ordinations from His Holiness Dalai Lama. And then soon after that, moved to South India, where there are big monastic universities, and to study in depth Buddhist philosophy, psychology, epistemology. How hard is it to uh, wind up where you wound up? Is it uh, accepting to all individuals? Is it something you have to study? It's it's open to everybody, right? I mean, if people are interested, Buddhism by itself, as its owners often describes it, you can study it on different levels, right? You can study Buddhist philosophy and Buddhist psychology on a very secular or universal level without really engaging in Buddhist practices as such, mm-hmm. right? You can just study. And that's the freedom, right? We don't, uh, we don't emphasize uh, kind of converting people to a particular religion because the world has many human beings. Many human beings have different inclinations and interests. So there's different religions as well and different forms of faith, mm-hmm. right? So we respect that Absolutely. because yeah. there's different. So that's why we respect any other form of faith or religion because Buddhism is not the perfect kind of fit for everybody, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so that's one thing. And then even within Buddhism, uh, people would like to study it more, practice it more. There's many levels of dedication, right? Some people have normal jobs and, and study it on the side and other people dedicate their life. Yeah, so that's kind of different possibilities, so to say, yeah. Okay, gotcha. And you said you studied uh, under the Dalai Lama himself? Uh, I mean, I received many teachings from His Holiness, uh, but also in the monastic environment, we have daily classes, and of course, His Holiness Dalai Lama doesn't have time to teach all the thousands of monks, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You were saying uh, you studied Buddhism, and how long were you in India studying? Um, altogether, I spent about a little bit over two decades. Okay. Yeah. So it is quite a long period. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and were you like, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a lot of time to, to dedicate you. That's fully immersing yeah. yourself. Were yeah. you a religious kid? Were, were you brought up with religion in your family or uh, just like a, a genuine curiosity led you to find Buddhism? Yeah, more curiosity, I think, because my parents were not really religious. Okay. You know, of course, they... We come from a Christian background. I think I was the person who went more to church than, than my parents, actually. Okay. <laughs> Just to, yeah, to, you know, to see things and to examine things. 
and then you start reading and, and yeah, the ball starts rolling, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So you were talking about how Buddhism has a bit of a, a scientific background. Can you elaborate a little bit more on, on how that is or how that comes into play? Yeah, because uh, I mean, it's summarized in one particular quote by the Buddha himself, where it says, you know, you, you venerable monks and scholars, you shouldn't accept whatever I say out of respect or reference for me. Mm. You should examine my teachings like you examine gold, right? So in the early days, if you buy something precious, so you, you examine to make sure you get the right quality, right? Yeah. So in modern times, we have an iPhone or a mobile phone or, or laptop whatsoever, and we examine before we buy, right? So right. in a similar way, the Buddha was quite direct, and also his Holiness Dalai Lama even goes to the extent that if science proves something different than in a particular classical text, then and that's been proven, we accept we can accept science. So yeah. that's that's a very open approach. Yeah, I love that. That that, that sounds wonderful. And that right, exactly. Yeah. That's how science, if, if you know, theories are theories yeah. until they're fact, and and you know that yeah. can shift at all times. And yeah. time so so that also just to make sure that so also that Buddhism is not kind of a religion as such, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of the science of the mind and its philosophy that's basically what you know the real hardcore aspect of, of, of buddhism is actually all about yeah. interesting and then you examine and you try to put it into practice and then based on on on, on the understanding that all sentient beings want happiness and don't want suffering then we examine what are the causes for suffering what are the causes for happiness how can i abandon causes for suffering and acquire causes for happiness that's basically the principle aspect yeah so when you're studying buddhism is it trying to maybe rewire your thinking more towards what you're describing in that all beings want happiness and, and to avoid suffering mm -hmm. how do you approach that is one aspect is is what we we try to study texts of of masters of the past who have actually realized these aspects not just mere academic knowledge but have contemplated it and came to the real understanding of it right, made the innate part of themselves. So based on those kind of uh, texts, we read it and we check if it's true or not, according to these principles of, of uh, the open approach of analytical questioning. Mm -hmm. So then you, you check your own mind and you see that we all want happiness and that we can prove that as soon as we have a little bit of happiness, we want to keep it, right? Yeah. As soon absolutely. as we have a little bit of suffering, with just a simple sickness or mental difficulty, the first thought that comes to mind is we want to be separated from this. Yes. Right? Yeah. So that's a very innate wish. And then the next step is what is the cause for suffering? Right? And then you start to analyze that a lot of our destructive emotions, so to say, right? Negative thoughts, anger, right? And, and those kind of things that disturb our minds, they are causing us disturbance. And that re reflects or reacts in the physical and verbal behavior, which, which we also can possibly harm others based on destructive emotions right? right absolutely so that's why it's called really talks about mind science and can i uh, or can we so to say eliminate these destructive emotions and on which levels and how do we do that and how do we enhance more constructive way of thinking and and more positive kind of emotions to be developed right so that's kind of a very principal basical aspect we study mm -hmm. and then we do self-research we, we examine a contemplation and and reflect upon it if it's really true and just a daily experience and then uh, you come to a conclusion if it's true or not yeah the most interesting aspect of, of what mm -hmm. you were just saying is that you may read a text and, and 
think of it differently than I may interpret that. Is, yeah. is that, yeah. is there a lot of, you know, you think of this one way, I think of it another way mm -hmm. and, and that's okay? Or is that's it, okay. That's yeah. okay. It's perfectly okay. Because uh, in the monastic uh, tradition, we have a kind of uh, gathering with, with the scholars together, it's called uh, philosophical debate. Mm -hmm. So there's a kind of a huge debate courtyard where oh, students meet. Fun. Yeah, it's really fun, I tell you. Yeah. You should watch some YouTube videos of people clapping their hands. It's very, no, no. It's, it's a lot of fun. But what yeah. happens there is very interesting, is that we study a text ourselves, and my other classmate might study a completely different text with different interpretations. Then we go to different teachers who have different kind of understandings and interpretations, and that all mixes together on this kind of debate courtyard. Mm. Yeah. So then we have a scriptural reference, but we also have logic, right? So in between those two, we go move back and forth, and we come to a new finding or new conclusion, a new understanding. You know, it's a kind of a very energetic way of using logic uh, together with insights. You know, I love how active that is. Right, that you're it's extremely active, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to being spoken to, right? I, I was raised Catholic, and yeah. It's, yeah. it's more here's what the priest has to say yeah. today, and, and I love yeah. the active footing. Not not to put down Catholics at all, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. Catholic, and but I, I do like how active that is. Yeah. Prior to this, you were on what? Well, how would you describe it? A, a bit of a, a retreat where you were practicing silence. Uh, it's not only silence, you know, we Buddhists uh, practice, so to say, we have different types of meditation, right? We have a kind of concentration meditation because without the mind being concentrated, it's very difficult to, to, to do any mind training, constructive way of thinking, right? So yeah. we need a certain amount of concentration. Even just to read a book, you need concentration, right? Right. So we practice a kind of concentration meditation or we call placement meditation, right? And then the other aspect of meditation is what we call analytical. Yeah. Because our mind uses reasoning. The same is true when, for example, when a destructive emotion takes over, like anger. Within a few split seconds, you make yourself convinced that this person or this situation is really bad and you don't like it. Right? right? Because of this, because of this, because of that. Right? So, often, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that, that, that goes very fast, but most of those reasons are not very valid. That's the problem. And that's why we classify them as destructive emotions, right? Because they cause problems. So, but so you right have- anger can, and can completely distract you from, it's kind of blinding in a sense. Exactly, blinding, exactly. Because you lose the clarity of the mind, right? Mm -hmm. And because losing that clarity of the mind, you see only one aspect of reality, and that's the negative aspects. You don't like to see the good things of reality, right? Yeah. So the mind is not in accordance with reality at all. Yeah, and that's why it causes a problem. So that analytical approach, we, we have the possibility to counteract and transform a kind of destructive emotion like that and transform it into more constructive emotion like love and kindness and, and, and compassion, for example. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> it, yeah. sounds like it sounds beautiful to... and it, it sounds very interesting, but it's, it's not easy, of course, right? To change the mind is not easy, but it's possible yeah, over time. Yeah. And, well, and human beings are inherently flawed, right? And so yeah. uh, it is certainly difficult to overcome our flaws at times. Yeah. You know, this all leads us to the conversation uh, of death. I'm interested yeah. to hear how yeah. Buddhism looks at death, uh, its teachings, 
mm-hmm. uh, where you go when you die, where you don't okay. go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So first of all, that is 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 being taken as as an aspect of life. Yeah. So that means it is contemplated. It's not being pushed in a corner or something like that. So now in in modern times in the West, we see similar. Uh, luckily, developments that in the early days you don't talk about these issues, right? Mm-hmm. I think about, yeah, maybe 50 years ago you won't have this kind of conversation at all, right? right? Yeah. So luckily now there's more acceptance because we're going to face it ourselves, right? Yes. So, yeah, yeah. So that being the case, we might as well examine it, right? Right. So and not only examine it, also accept it. You know, that's a very important step because people who don't accept these aspects of life. When they meet that reality, then it's a problem, right? Because it's very difficult to deal with. Yeah, I always use a, an example. My own mother, for example, that her son is, you know, walking around as as a Buddhist monk, and you know, she she saw I'm really getting something out of it. So that's why she started reading about Buddhism, about oh, that and impermanence. Great. Yeah, and she doesn't call herself a Buddhist, right? Mm-hmm. But then when my father got cancer, it went very quick. And within a few months, actually, he passed away. I'm you sorry know? to hear that. Yeah. So then uh, my aunts and uncles thought my mother goes in depression for months because they were always close. And, you know, it's, it's sad, right? It's a kind of a loss. Yeah? Of course. Well, though, of course, there was sadness, but, you know, she could deal with it quite well. And the doctor was very impressed. And the people, you know, in, 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 the, in the family were very impressed. And I asked my mother later on. How did you do it? You know? mm-hmm. And then you said, I was reading about this and thinking it's possible one day, you see? So that acceptance prevents a lot of suffering. So if you understand mm-hmm. reality, it prevents a lot of suffering. When you say so that's one aspect. Yeah. Sorry. When you say acceptance, it, it's that like, we're only here for X amount of time. We have no determination of when that time is for the most part, and we should just enjoy it and, and accept the fact that that's it and that's all we get there's one aspect yeah there's one aspect mm-hmm. so that uh, because if you don't if you always put it in a corner and when it happens to you it's a kind of a shock right yes you're not prepared so to say there's one aspect another aspect is there's a very famous quote of, of shantideva who always says if there's a problem and you can solve the problem then you shouldn't worry too much you should solve it if you have a problem right if you have a problem but you cannot solve it right we cannot avoid that then also there's no point in worrying about it, mm-hmm. right? So old, old age, for example, we're getting older and things become more and more difficult, right? So yeah. we cannot change that reality, you know? So there's no point in worrying about it and we just have to accept it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's and the same with COVID-19, all kind of difficulties we face in life, if we can do anything about it, we should. And we should, you know, we should try to support those organizations who do something about it. But if that's not within our hands, then we should accept it, right? There's no, basically, no, if you worry about it, then on top of the physical difficulty, there's mental suffering as well, you see? Right, right. Yeah. There's only small things we can do, like wearing a mask and, and trying to stay separate. Yeah, of course. Separate. Yeah. But yeah, well, ultimately, it's up to doctors and scientists to come up yeah, with exactly. a vaccine. Yeah. yeah. But the same with death, right? It's going to happen to us. So you know, in that way, we prepare. We have a kind of an acceptance, so to say. Yeah. How do you prepare? For, for, there's many ways to prepare, but the most basic one is to understand that's going to happen to you or to family members or to friends, right? And if you understand that, then acceptance becomes easier and it doesn't mm-hmm. disturb you as much 
as if you'd always try to put it in a corner and then when you meet it it's a bit difficult to deal with right do you feel did that sort of acceptance take some time for you or yeah i mean there's many things to say about that process and what happens after also right yeah so even in the scientific findings if you if you look for example at statistics of, of needed experience right people who have an experience in the, in the clinical debt when uh, mostly in cardiac arrests when the heart stops beating mm -hmm. and the person is clinically dead for for a certain period of time and comes back to life is revived right yes so people who have that experience in the statistics it's it shows that whoever had that experience the majority like 70 percent or something has their life changed completely in a positive way so that means they become more spiritual, become more compassionate. They 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 find more satisfaction in life, right. and that's the, a very the interesting. The air smells point. a bit sweeter, right? Like the, yeah. the sun's shining yeah. a bit brighter. So, <laughs> yeah, and 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 people with needed visions. There's a lot of scientific data showing that it's not that something to to fear or to worry about, basically. Mm -hmm. One aspect, and then the other aspect you were asking partly in your question, is there something after that, right? So that's for Buddhists also a kind of important uh, point. Yeah. So if you study the near that experience, then uh, we don't go further. If the person comes back to life, right? The mm -hmm. person can talk about what has been experienced, but if it doesn't come back to life, it goes somewhere else, maybe, right? So that's <laughs> that's yeah. a question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, in that context, then certain forms of faith or religion they talk about you know either go to heaven or go to another rebirth there's many kind of uh, ways of, of, of you can find kind of explanations right in different uh, fields of, of yeah, philosophy or, or, or forms of faith or religion yeah mm. so Buddhists also they have their own interpretation that means this is not only life yeah so there's a continuity of consciousness as we call it that can take rebirth and and then that's the present human body we have is just like a temporary guest house so to say <laughs> yes. and, and we're reborn again and again again and again and then because we just talked about in the beginning of, of our discussion that there's a possibility for the mind to change right we if we analyze destructive emotions we analyze constructive emotions we apply certain kind of techniques to enhance positive ways of, of, of thinking, constructive forms of, of, of consciousness, there's possibility to improve, right? Mm. Your level of consciousness. And that also, with that comes also to experience more kind of genuine form or, or happiness as more, gives more satisfaction in life. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, because we know that external factors of, of the physical world is not gonna produce ultimate satisfaction right mm -hmm. so we next to the development we have in the external world we also have to spend some time and effort in internal development yeah so yeah. as soon as Dalai Lama says many times you know my religion my faith my organization my country my this my that that that's past tense we have to have something that is universal right because our mind from all the seven billion people on this planet our consciousness is universal right mm -hmm. We all have the same wish for happiness, don't like suffering. We have the same emotions. You know? So there's a way of learning that, understanding that, depending on science, one hand, right? And on the other hand, like ancient forms of philosophy and psychology, 
can bring a lot of kind of interesting uh, points. Yeah? So if we bring that together, then there's a possibility of an inner development next to the external development we have in our physical world, right? Yeah. So that inner development is not easy, as we just discussed, right? It will take time. Yeah, yeah? So, absolutely. And, and we don't think, as Buddhists, we don't think about uh, a few years. We think about decades, or some even think about lifetimes, right? So when His Holiness met with scientists, this kind of a uh, Mind and Life Institute is kind of an organization being put up to build a bridge between uh, science and, and Buddhist uh, mind science and philosophy, mm -hmm. so to say. And then one of the scientists asked His Holiness, how long are you studying these matters? And then His Holiness said, oh, for the four, last 14 lifetimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> it gives a little bit of idea that, you know, this vast vision of, you know, we keep developing over time. Right. Do you know how people always say the right thing in a TV show like a This Is Us or Grey's Anatomy? I, you know, it's surprising that that's still on the air, but I'm sure, you know, Meredith Grey is saying the, you know, the right things. It's because someone's writing the words for them. <laughs> and you can have that power, too, with the cardist. A card delivers joy and connection, but it's hard to muster that positive energy in this pandemic. There are parts of this pandemic where... Even watching The Office wasn't helpful enough because I was so sad. Introducing a writing specialist for the message inside your greeting cards. See, that's what I'm talking about with the TV shows. They're writing it for you. The Cardist Studio creates your message, writes it in the card, and mails it for you. All you do is pick the card and tell why you're sending it. No errands, no emotional exercise. For a message from your heart, but not your hands. We all want to be as open and in touch with our emotions as you see on TV. Sit back and just enjoy your relationships. TheCardistStudio.com, thoughtful, just got easy. And you can use the promo code DEATHPOD for 10% off all orders. Today's episode is also brought to you by my software tutor. Do you fear the spreadsheet? Jamie always laughs at me because my spreadsheets are bare bones, straight to the point. They have exactly what they need and no frills. And hers are like color-coded and bolded and just like remarkable looking. <laughs> I guess in that, in like spreadsheet land, I'm, I'm a bit of a no frills kind of guy, but I'm trying to work on that. And so, phobia be gone. My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly, supportive environment. I'd love to ask the question, how do I make my spreadsheets just look all dolled up? How do I put a sport code on this spreadsheet? <laughs> These courses will increase your marketability, whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. Register at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. Yeah, all right, let's get back to Namdar. One thing that sticks out is just there seems to be so much patience involved in, in studying yeah. Buddhism. And, and I kind of love that in, in just like slowing everything down, especially in this yeah. world now where we're constantly connected yeah. and, and can feel overwhelmed. It, it's, it seems like a nice thing to just say, I'm just going to work internally and, and uh, trying to improve myself because if I do that, I'm bringing a better version into the world. Yeah. The other 
thing that the other question that I have is you're mentioning, you know, the Dalai Lama talking about how he's been studying for the past 40 lifetimes. Is there the notion that you carry something with you from we, lifetime we, we, to lifetime? Yeah, we say that consciousness is not physical, right? So there's a lot of research being done in the fields of, of neurophenomenology and neuroscience. That there is something that we call consciousness, which is maybe not matter. It's still a big question, right, in neuroscience. Yeah, right. So, but there is some research being done about the correlation between the two. Yeah, mm -hmm. so the correlation has been proven, but what consciousness is all about is 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 quite new, right, yeah. in modern science. So the stream of consciousness, basically, as we also see in near death experience and as other events, uh, for example, Professor Stevenson did some research about children remembering previous lifetimes, and talks about you know information being carried. It's a very interesting uh, comment, actually. <laughs> information being carried from a previous personality to the present, mm -hmm. right? So that's what we call, as Buddhists, we call the stream of consciousness. Yeah, so in that stream of consciousness, all kind of habituation patterns, they, they, they will continue. So the more you develop positive aspects of mind, that will be continued, right? And then next lifetime, you continue more and more. And so there's a kind of spiritual progress is possible. To, to, to develop the mind more and more and become more compassionate and practice more patience and, and get more of those constructive forms of, of, of consciousness. Yeah. Interesting. So, so it's more, you know, it's less, you know, obviously from lifetime to lifetime, you have to relearn that, you know, a stove is hot, whereas yeah. you can learn to be kinder yeah. and calmer yeah. And, yeah. and more at peace. Yeah. But even in one lifetime, you know, right, if you study a particular subject, and you put the books away, you forget, right? Yes. But then if you take the books again, it comes back quicker. It does. Right? So that's a sign there are- uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's a sign there are inclinations or imprints, as we call it, or potentials in the minds that is not wasted, mm -hmm. right? So that's planted before. It's just a matter of fact of, of, of activating that again. And then it comes back easier, right? So yeah. that proves the power of habituation of, of consciousness, right? Right, it's stored away in there somewhere. And, and yeah, I mean, we don't say store away somewhere because memory in, 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 in neuroscience is a very difficult subject, right? Yeah. So, of course, there are things uh, consciousness needs the brain to function, but the brain is not the only thing, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's what we now try to find out, actually. What is consciousness? Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah, yeah. So, when the Buddha was not really interested much in the physical aspects of our body, he was more interested in consciousness. Yeah, and also in those time, times, like 2,500 years ago, we didn't have phenomena like neuroscience, right? Yeah. The science of the brain was, was not present. Right. So only the internal contemplation was present, right? So you could examine what consciousness is all about, what are constructive emotions, what are destructive ones. We can classify them, put a, a definition or a function to it, and then you can walk with it, right? So there's a kind of different approach. So when I was studying these aspects of epistemology and, and philosophy, having a background in, in science, mathematics, and statistics, then it's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. It's a completely it's different methodology. Interesting. Yeah. Because the methodology we, we, we use in Buddhist philosophy, psychology, uh, using the language of epistemology or reasoning, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in science, we use the language of mathematics. Yeah, it's yeah. two totally different forms of approach, but if you can now come to the ultimate nature of reality, so to say, 
right? If you study quantum mechanics and then you, you take people like David Bohm, for example, mm -hmm. or, or other quantum, uh, scholars in quantum mechanics who come to similar conclusions as the Buddha and, and, and many philosophers of 2000 years ago came to similar conclusions that every, nothing exists from its own side. Everything is in the nature of interdependence. So in quantum mechanics, we come to similar conclusions, right? What has been observed depends on the observer, right? Yeah. So that, yeah. So that's just two different types of methodology, but it doesn't say you should reach different conclusions, right? That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to someone who's grieving, or or someone, yeah, yeah someone who hasn't quite accepted, may not have even thought about death, and, and yeah. is now experiencing a lot yeah. of grief? Yeah. So first of all, of course, a person who is in that situation needs a person to listen to this yeah. person, right? So that's the first to, mm -hmm. to show you, you take care of the person, right? To show that you accept what's happening. That's a very important step, right? Because the person who is in this griefing process uh, is, yeah, is based on, on, on losing a particular person. Yeah, we always want to be the person that falls away. So there's a need for, for helping out, right? So there's a need for showing uh, affection for that person, showing interest to help. Yeah, that's the first step. Yeah, right. right. Being seen by another yeah. person is, is very important. Yeah, sit along with that person, talk about things. That's the first step. Then people open up, right? And then, of course, according to their understanding, we have to discuss of different ways you can think about these issues. And what we started with in our discussion is mainly this acceptance, right? Yeah. That it's going to happen to all of us. So that's the first step. Yeah. And the other step is is keeping grieving about it, you know, of course, sadness is there, but to think about it again and again is not going to solve the issue, right? Mm -hmm. The person we lost is not coming back, and you yourself will not experience uh, more kind of constructive way of thinking, right? So that griefing by itself, we also have to analyze. It's a natural process, but also we have to think about it if it's very beneficial to, to keep following it that way, or maybe we should need a break, get out of, you know, move kind of in different pattern of our daily activities that breaks the cycle, right? Okay. And then, yeah, that's very important to, yeah. to listen to the person, to make sure you take the person out for a walk, you know, talk about things, you break that cycle of thinking about it again and again, because thinking about it again and again is not really very constructive, to be honest. No, it's right? not. Yeah. yeah, so that has to be broken. And then what I said to my mother is an incredible example. Then I said, but then how do you deal with it? She said, yeah, life has to go on, right? Yes, so it does. It's, that's a very interesting comment. And she became more social. She did more hobby kind of activities and, and, and meeting other people. And that's, that's very interesting to see. That, that's a very constructive way yeah. of, of dealing with a problem in life, right? Mm-hmm. I always look at grief or, or even depression with start looking for small victories because I feel like people can be under trends or, or follow trends. And so yeah. if you're feeling depressed or sad, you know, maybe you make yourself a, a big healthy meal or you go for a jog and that feels exactly. good yeah. and, and you can yeah. follow that trend. Yeah, because you, you it happens we, we end up in a kind of a circle. We think about the same thing again and again and it's not really reasoning anymore right no. the reasoning remains the same again and again so if you break that by a physical activity for example or do something completely different than your normal pattern in life or social activities or sports you break that cycle and then you talk with people right yeah. if you talk with people about it open ups then other people have maybe different 
methods to 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 use reasoning to to break it up to don't think about it too much anymore to start with other things in life that you move on right mm-hmm. yeah yeah i just wanted to ask you so to anyone that knows nothing about buddhism you know i, I feel like mm. especially in the west a lot of people have a lot of questions and, and yeah. they're not quite sure what would you say to someone who's curious about buddhism, buddhism? i mean there's um, there's a lot of books available sorry mm-hmm. so i would just always suggest people to read something right and then then not just reading it as a novel but question it you know mm. if it's really true also when i give talks I always ask people, you know, to make sure you check if it's if it's really true what we're talking about. So the self-research is extremely important. We don't accept things that are written or, or things that are being explained. We have to examine that, if that's true or not. And then only it becomes a kind of real insight, right? Otherwise, it's just kind of a, a knowledge that, that just stays a knowledge but doesn't move forward, right? Yeah. yeah. I love the idea of analyzing things for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think here in the United States right now and, you know, in other parts of the world, there's a lot of mistrust of scientific Mm. institutions, right? A lot of people Mm. now say the earth is flat or that here in the United States, people are saying that COVID is fake, led by our our president a bit. Is there a way to take analysis like that too far, right? Like people who think that COVID is fake are putting yeah. themselves in harm's way. Yeah. Is there a limit to analysis like you're describing? Uh, there's no limit, but you have to make sure you you open. You know, when, when we say we have to have a neutral perspective before we examine anything. Yeah. That's very important, you know. So then you look at either something exists or doesn't exist, and what are the reasons? It's a very logical way of, of approaching things. Like yeah. past and future lifetimes, same thing. It either exists or doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can change your mind or you cannot change your mind, you know, and then you, you analyze the reasons for both sides and then you come to a conclusion. So we have to have this openness and that's sometimes missing with certain people who already pre kind of they have already have this, into their mindset. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be open to discussion and open to other people's view and then analyze. Right. If it's mm-hmm. true or not. Yeah, that's true. Is there anything you think I, I miss related to death or I mean Buddhism? yeah you can if you want to you can talk for hours and hours yeah you know <laughs> about this issue especially you know the whole cycle of, of, of rebirths and but yeah that's for many people difficult to contemplate so yeah i think the main thing for us to see is the acceptance right mm-hmm. and and when it happens to have this kind of you know acceptance and based on knowing that we're gonna all face it right so and it's not the kind of a big deal in the sense of, of it's very scary because if you look even at statistics findings, statistic findings in, 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 in scientific research, it's all very positive dying, right? Yeah. Yeah, and from a Buddhist point of view and many other forms of faith and religion, it talks about a lot of aspects of going to beautiful places, right? So, uh, yeah, it's not every religion or faith have the same kind of, de- same kind of descriptions, but to understand things about it is better than not liking to understand things about it because the uncertainty mm-hmm. right the uncertainty causes a lot of suffering right the uncertainty of where do i go you know that's for some people uh, causes fear yeah. there's no need for that. there's no need you know that that people were dying they you know they, they have all kind of pleasure what we see in the scientific findings very pleasurable experiences right mm-hmm. and then in buddhism is kind of 
if you go to bed at night, you fall asleep, you wake up in the morning, right? That in between period is you unconsciousness or you have dreams sometimes you're aware or not. So the dying process is very similar. You die and then you being reborn again. So it's kind of just a change of a change of guest house, so to say. So it's not a big deal from the Buddhist point of view as well. Yeah. That, that's so wonderful. And I, I think you're right, like not being open to thinking about the question feels yeah. a lot more daunting and heavy. Like don't put that heaviness yeah. on yourself. Yeah. Just even discussing it and or hopefully listening to this yeah. podcast yeah. can make things a bit easier to yeah. But luckily, there's a good development here in Europe. We have a kind of thing called the Dead Cafe that people, you know, elderly, uh, they meet on occasionally and talk about these things to, oh. to, break that, to break that boundary of not liking to, to, to talk about it, or not right. liking to think about it, right? And you can see that brings so much peace to the mind of, of people who, who later in life and have to face this later on. And they can openly discuss it with each other. That by itself brings a lot of peace. Yeah, it does, especially, you know, and the theme of our conversation has been how connected we all are and, and yeah. how much we need connection and discussion. Yeah. And yeah. that sounds like a beautiful way of, of handling a, what can be yeah. a, a challenging issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we all, what I said, you know, we all on the same planet, wanting happiness, not wanting suffering. We all human beings having the same form of consciousness, same form of emotions. So why not work together and finding methods to, to improve? Our life, yeah, our inner life, so to say, because that's that's very important in modern times. We can see we have a lot of incredible external conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Hospitals, schools, uh, you know, uh, traveling. Everything is, generally speaking, to be honest, it's quite easy. Yeah. Now with the COVID, we realize that we're just losing that. We, we took for granted already. Something right. is just from the last few decades, right? But uh, so that external develop is amazing. But then you see there's so much needed. For the inner development there's a lot of you know as we we see depression right there's a lot of anxiety a lot of fear so that's actually no need to have that much suffering they can something can be done about it right so right. that's yeah. yeah so that's very important to to address that in society and and to 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 use methods either scientific or or mix or check you know what's what's most beneficial and what what works well, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, Namdak, thank you so much for your time. And, and yeah, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, I, I wish you well. Yeah, thank you so much for your interest and hope everything goes well with your, uh, with your organization and, and projects. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I think it's so interesting to hear other people's ways of thinking and it allows you to breathe it in and, and see if any of that resonates with you. I had a great time talking to Namdok, and, and I hope to do more of these spiritual leader episodes for Death Space Filling the Void. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach out to me through the show's social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. I'd also like to mention my other podcast, That Gives Me Anxiety, is out wherever you get your podcasts. It's about the things that scare us, and, and I take a look at a specific topic each episode. We usually end up finding out that things aren't as scary as we once thought. Also, if you're liking the show, please remember to rate and review it. That's super helpful. And just thank you so much for listening. We're in summer 2021. Good things are coming. Thanks again, and have a great week. I'll talk to you next Thursday.